everybody, and welcome to the RV Miles podcast, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 31 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash episode 31. RV Miles is also on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com, and we are also on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. We are on too many social media channels, I think. We are. <laughs> I can't keep up with all of them. I think Pinterest probably suffers the most. <laughs> on today's show, we are going to talk about Guadalupe Mountains National Park in Texas, a stellar national park that that doesn't get a ton of visits, but is really worth going to. It's been the highlight of the trip so far through New Mexico. Absolutely. We're also going to talk about some tips and tricks for stress free family camping and a whole lot of great news. Is there such a thing as stress-free family camping? I'm asking for a friend. You know, there's a <laughs> there's always a goal. <laughs> there is always a you goal. You got to set the bar high. We've had we, yes, you really do. actually I think you have to set the bar low. If you set the bar <laughs> low, then you feel like you've accomplished. But we've had a couple of stressful days, but they have not been related to our children. Yeah. So we have been, since we last were here at this podcast, in the RV Miles Roaming Podcast station, we have been bouncing around. We were in Roswell, went back to Roswell over the weekend. It was really lovely, and the weather was great. Kids were happy to be back at that campground. But on Monday, we headed to Alamogordo and Oliver Lee Memorial State Park, which is where we're at now. Probably my favorite campground to date. I look forward to talking about it in further detail, but Jason had an emergency dental situation pop up a couple of days ago, one we didn't quite realize had reached emergency level until yesterday. And so he had to go in to the fine people over at Family Dental here in Alamogordo and have some work done. And we actually didn't know whether or not you would be on the podcast this week. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording on Thursday morning. So if this comes out a little bit later (laughs) in the day than it normally does, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, Jason's very drugged up right now and he's pushing through, which I'm really surprised because as much as I enjoy talking, I think that's no surprise. I did not want to do this by myself, (laughs) nor did we want to have to take a week off. But I'm I'm happy to be here and able to do it. I know. I'm glad that you're talking and not laying in bed, (laughs) moaning and just in so much discomfort. So it helps that we have the beautiful Sacramento mountains behind us. We are like abutted up against them in the Dog Canyon here at Oliver Lee state park and then off in the distance in the west we can see the san andreas mountains and we get are to surrounded see some amazing sunsets over those yeah if you haven't popped over to the our wandering family instagram page recently i think we've become kind of obsessed with the sunsets here <laughs> <laughs> there's several pictures of the bus and the sunsets and then just it's incredible we are so surrounded in this space that we're in this campsite is so big the kids even though there's no park the kids i think have been outside more than they have in any other campground we've been at this just sort of screams to them like come out and play the campsite is so big so anyway we won't get into that because that'll be for 
another podcast when we talk about this area, but we're very happy here and we're very happy that Jason is feeling better. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Shall we hit the news? Let's do it. Our top story this week is Thor. Thor Industries is the largest manufacturer of RVs. They they manufacture about 40% of the RVs out there, I believe. Thor manufactures Thor brand RVs, but then they are also the parent company of many other companies like uh, Airstream as well. And Thor has announced a new global partnership. Global. Global. Not international. Global. <laughs> international. <laughs> uh, they're, they're working with a company uh, in, in New Zealand called Tourism Holdings Limited. And RVing is huge in New Zealand and Australia, if you aren't aware. It is. I love following people's Instagram accounts from New Zealand and Australia. They do the coolest RVing there. Especially those really awesome off-road trailers that they're sort of pop-up kind of things, but they have all kinds of stuff packed into a little tiny package. Those are really big over there. They're I want one. Actually, I want to go over there. I want to go to New Zealand yeah. and Australia and then get one. Yeah. Except for the 10 deadliest snakes in the world. If in that's, okay. Well, that's, that's, a, right. that's okay. That's okay. That's <laughs> okay. We'll make it work. Anyway, Thor and and uh, Tourism Holdings Limited have combined to create a new company called TH2. This company is has bought up the assets of Road Trippers, which is a, a road trip planning platform that we like and we've talked about before and we use a lot they bought a company called cosmos which is a digital platform for rv customer relationship that dealers use and rv rental places use and they've bought up um, my way which is a another one of these peer-to-peer rv rental platforms that's big in in new zealand and, and has just come to the united states and CamperMate, which is an app that uh, is the biggest camping app in australia and new zealand and what they're planning to do is they're planning to take all this and put it all together into one package and they will offer rvers presumably those that buy thor rvs but you know you could probably pay extra to get into this not a lot of details yet one a one-stop shop an app a website whatever it's going to be some sort of web resource where they will combine all this stuff together trip planning trip booking campground booking remote systems monitoring for your rv so checking the temperature of your rv you know from from a distance that sort of stuff roadside assistance peer-to-peer rv and campsite rental and they also want to streamline owner's record keeping so when you take your rv into a repair shop all your info about your repairs and your maintenance will get put into this system and then can be accessed by another repair facility halfway across the country it could be really cool if they do this right this could be really a game changer for for our viewers i think it's also another sign that how big the industry is becoming and how active people are in it because now you're having the platform where everything is there. But I love the fact about service, how you can have service in one area and then be able to pull it up somewhere else. It's sort of like how we've been doing that with health records, your doctor's Mm -hmm. records. Like you can have those pulled up halfway across the country and know your history without having to remember all of your history. And I love the idea that you can now do that with your RV, should they roll this out the way it should be done? Yeah, if they keep it to just Thor brand yeah. RVs, it I don't think it will work very well. 
Um, but with, I, I'm imagining that they'll do something like with OnStar, like, you know, if you buy a Thor, you, you know, a lot of, uh, vehicle manufacturers, you buy them, you get a year of OnStar for free. Mm-hmm. I imagine you buy a Thor vehicle, you're going to get this system for free for, for a certain amount of time and that everybody else will have to pay into it. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, if it works great, I, the, the name, you know, hopefully they'll come up with a, a name for this app that's not th2 <laughs> <laughs> but but i it I, it sounds really interesting and uh, i'm excited to hear more about it a, another sort of game changing piece of news i i thought was just announced um there's this new uh swedish water technology company called orbital systems and they have created this shower it's it's, I don't know really how you pronounce it. It's called, it's the OAS shower. I don't know how you would pronounce OAS, Was? but it's not, Was? it's not an acronym. It's capital O, small a, small s. The OAS shower, what it does is this is a shower that takes the water that drains into the shower and recycles it, purifies it, spits it back out through the shower head. Oh, that is so cool. So you get you you can have a full off grid RV shower using the average they say is two point nine gallons of water. I want this for for a long shower. Like you can stay in the shower as, as long as you want. You'll use a little bit more if you stay longer, but it, it keeps recycling the water and filtering it constantly. So you can go a very long time. You know, a shower is normally gonna take you like at least 10 gallons of water in a, in a typical RV. And that's for a quick shower. I think that now that you're telling me this, you can take a shower as long as you want. Now I'm like, <laughs> we're not getting this. Jason will never be out of the shower. <laughs> Jason is notorious across all family members for taking epically long <laughs> showers. He doesn't believe it, but everyone knows this about Jason. So now I'm thinking, oh, well, that's where I do my thinking. <laughs> where all of your great ideas. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I have nowhere to go with that. So I'm just so going to leave it there. So this company is saying it'll take three days, what would normally be three days worth of water, and turn it into 30 days of water by reducing the amount of total water used in every shower cycle by up to 90%. So they're going to be debuting the shower. The new company that they're creating is OSYS. Again, don't know how to pronounce it. OSYS Mobile. OSYS Mobile. And they're going to be showcasing the shower at the FMCA's 97th International Convention and RV Expo on March 15th in Perry, Georgia. Now, have they given a price range for this They don't yet? have a price range yet. So it's going to be like the compost toilet oh, where it's going to cost me like a thousand dollars. I mean, there isn't there's an app that tells you how much water you saved. This thing's not going to be cheap. <laughs> no, but I guess in the long run, if you weigh it against or I guess environmentally, you know, if that is incredibly important to you, which it should be, then, you know, it could be worth the investment. But yeah, I well, don't think it's going to be like going to get that eight dollar solar we com- we complain a lot about showers at some of these state parks that we visit and people always ask why do why don't you use shower the shower in your RV to a lot of people that go to state parks and the reason is most state parks and national parks 
don't have a, a sewer hookup Mm-mm. at your campsite, even if you have water and electric. So even if you're not like totally off grid, you can go to a state park where you have water and electric and you could use a shower like this and you're not filling up your waste tank. And you don't have to. You don't have to move. You don't That's have always, to haul a wagon yeah. back and forth. Ugh. You don't have to, oh, you don't no. have to move your RV to go to the dump station. Whenever I see someone driving down the campground with that wagon attached to the back of their truck or their car and they're headed off to the dump station, I'm always just like, oh. I just don't want a reminder of what's in there. Well, most, <laughs> like, uh, most people just put their gray water in there. Uh, are you sure about that? I'm just saying. I'm I'm 100% positive that not all people just put their gray water in there because I've seen it. But yeah. most people just put their gray water in there and then they move their RV when they need to dump the black tank. Okay, I'll, I will remember that then next time and I will just tell myself gray water, gray water, gray water. Gray water slushing down in the wagon headed towards the dump station. Final piece of news for this week is two men have been sentenced for theft of a tree in Olympic National Park. After pleading guilty to theft of timber from Olympic National Park, two men have been sentenced to serve prison time Whoa. and pay restitution. The one one of these guys is going to spend 30 days in prison. The other one's going to spend 60 days in prison. And then there was a third guy who's already in prison for an unrelated charge and hasn't been sentenced on this yet. But they cut down a tree in Olympic <gasps> National Park and were selling the wood to a, a company that makes guitars. And this this wood is apparently uh, it's you know from a from a maple tree, but it's it's um, a special maple tree that's it's really prized for its. Uh, musical instruments you know properties and uh did the guitar company know no they they didn't know and the the park rangers they somebody had reported the sound of chainsaws and a park ranger came and checked it out the next day and found they had cut down a tree and then there were chainsaws again the following night and had lights off in the distance and the park rangers show up and you know, catch them in the act of what cutting a, the tree apart and loading it up in their truck. What a bunch of buffoons. <laughs> but, they had, but they had found that they had actually sold some of this wood already oh. uh, to one uh, to this guitar uh, manufacturer and were able to match the wood and prove it. But, I mean, one tree down in a national park and these guys are spending prison time and each paying $17,000 a piece in restitution. Good. So great. <laughs> I mean, uh, I have no sympathy for them. But, you know, if you've ever thought about something like, you know, cutting a branch off a tree for firewood or a walking stick or something like that. Don't do it. They this this is how seriously they take it. So, well, <laughs> and, you know, come on, like you do it the first night and then you honestly think that no one is going to hear. Nobody heard your chainsaws yeah. and you're going to come back the I next mean, night. I mean, if on. a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around, does anyone hear it? Only well, if yes, they're using chainsaws. Only if they're using chainsaws. Like, I just can't, I can't even with these guys. I, this is crazy. I do love a stupid criminal story. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll chat about our tips for stress-free family camping and have the answer to last week's brain teaser. Be right back.
All right, the answer to last week's brain teaser. Here's how it went. A 10-foot rope ladder hangs over the side of a boat with the bottom rung on the surface of the water. The rungs are one foot apart, and the tide goes up at the rate of six inches per hour. How long will it be until three rungs are covered? I don't know, Jason. How long will it be? It won't ever happen because the boat rises as the tide goes up. Ooh, sneaky. <laughs> I don't know how sneaky it was. Actually, we had a lot of people email in about this yeah, one. This and one, they all, yeah. If you caught it, it was pretty easy. If, yeah. you, if you missed it, but it was you still did fun. a lot of math for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for those of you that did math. <laughs> we don't like doing math either. <laughs> Our winner is Jeff Lindstrom from Illinois, who will receive an RV Miles decal. Shout out to the home state. And we will have <laughs> the new brain teaser at the end of the show. All right. So... We have a little segment this week we want to talk about stress-free family camping. I feel like I should put stress-free like in air quotes. I'm air quoting stress-free right now. We get a lot of questions like, I want to camp with my family, but I'm terrified to take my children tent camping. And we started as a tent camping family, I think probably, what, nine years ago? Did we do it with Jack before we had yeah. Ethan? Mm-hmm. I think that was probably some of my most stressful tent camping was those beginning days when it was just Jack, which is funny because we have two more now and I feel less stressed camping with all three of them than I did when we were camping with Jack. Well, we've learned a few things. We have learned a few things. So we wrote a little article over at OurWanderingFamily.com and we thought we would just kind of run through really quick some of our suggestions to help you have a hopefully enjoyable camping trip, be it in a tent or an RV with your family. So here we go. The first one, and I think the biggest one we can say is to take your time prepping for the trip. If you think you need two days, you need four days. And there's nothing wrong with being packed days before you leave. I think you've probably heard us say time and time again that we're not very good about this. I feel like we're getting better (laughs) (laughs) But we often don't leave till later in the day because we struggle to appropriately get ready for takeoff from whatever campsite we're at to the next one. I think, wouldn't you say? That's always my sort of project management rule (laughs) is that always just estimate the time it's going to take you to pack up and, you know, do all the things that you plan on doing and double it. (laughs) And that goes for your budget as well. Usually, you know, (laughs) figure out exactly what you think you're going to spend on your trip and double it. And that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. And I feel like even though we all know this and we talk about this a lot, it's a really hard one to implement. But I think it's almost the most important because it is incredibly difficult to get into the car or get into your RV and drive off stressed out because you're leaving late. You feel like you didn't pack adequately. You're throwing everything into the rig or throwing everything into the car. And so really just give yourself that space. If you're a to-do list kind of person, make your to-do list. We aren't really to-do list kind of people, but we are mental to-do list kind of people. That always works out real well. (laughs) Yeah, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We really need to take some more of our own advice. So that's the first one. Just take your time prepping for the trip. The second one, arrive before dark. And we've talked about this a few times, so I won't go into it too much. But arriving before dark really alleviates a lot of stress. It also gives you all time to acclimate to your campsite, to get set up, to get prepped for dinner. 
gives the kids a chance to get out of the car, run around, burn off some energy before you have to haul everybody into the tent or into the RV. I have a really vivid memory of that camping trip we took to Starved Rock when we were tent camping. And I think it was even before we had the big Agnes. It was us and Jack and Ethan and they were babies. And we kind of arrived late and we set up the tent and I was trying to keep to the bedtime schedule. Do you remember this? This is the great raccoon incident of like (laughs) 2012. But I remember being in the tent with those kids, trying to get them to settle down, trying to do things like we did at home. They're just totally full of energy running all over the place. And I had like a meltdown. I think I started screaming. (laughs) See, I was going to, I was about to say that I have a very vivid memory (laughs) when I was a kid. And I remember waking up in the car seat to my parents setting up the tent in front of the car. It was oh. dark. They had the headlights on oh my and arguing like crazy, <laughs> trying to figure out how to set up this tent that they probably didn't have instructions for. It's one of my youngest memories. I think that that <laughs> I could totally see that happening. And I'm really glad to say that we had a few tent camping trips under our belt before we headed to the Smoky Mountains because do you remember that we got stuck in all of that traffic trying to get there? We arrived in the dark and not only did we arrive in the dark, it was raining. Yeah. So we had the kids in the van and you and I were setting up the tent and cooking dinner in the rain at night. You, ha- you just have was... to plan for the unexpected. You know, if you, you do, it might be a three hour drive, but you know, you might have something happen that requires you to stop for a couple hours. And, right. And uh, and and even if you don't, sometimes you find something neat that you want to stop at. So it's yeah. well worth it to plan plan to arrive early. Well, and I think that that's why we try to live by that two 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 rule as well. Mm-hmm. Even if we weren't traveling full time, I think we would still try to do something really similar to that where we're not trying to, you know, bang out five, six, seven hundred miles in one day. So traveling 200 miles arriving before 2 p.m. and staying at least two nights, two nights in the location. We don't always abide by that, as we have talked about on our trip just to get here to New Mexico, but we do try to do that because we like to slow travel and, you know, shiny things catch our eye when we're on the road and we got to stop. I'll tell you, it's got to the point where we're like, oh, 200 miles. That's so long. Right. <laughs> we, we're, we, we often are traveling like 90 or 100 miles in a day. Mm-hmm. So that's my second sort of little tip. The third one, and this was really tough for me in the beginning, is embrace the dirt. Your children are going to be dirty. There's going to be... And your husband. And your husband, (laughs) yes. People are going to be dirty. There's going to be dirt that probably comes into your RV. Now, I understand that we all like to set up our outside, you know, hand washing stations. We keep our shoes outside. That is awesome. And if you've got that system, that's great. But there is going to be dirt and you are going to have kids that go to bed dirty. And I think you just kind of have to embrace that, that you are outside, because I have looked at it now after years and years, because this was really difficult for me, really difficult to let the kids just go. But once I realized that dirty kids are happy kids and happy kids are kids playing in nature, I was able to let go a little bit. Now, my kids, I will not say that my kids hop up into their beds at the end of the night, head to toe covered in dirt. Often, you know, if we're not taking a shower, we're wiping hands down with baby wipes or whatever. But 
my kids are not nearly as, I guess, clean, again, air quotes, as they were when we were living in a sticks and bricks. But my kids are interacting with nature in a way that they never did when we lived in Chicago. And once I embraced the dirt, I didn't have nearly as much as much stress. That's a big one. The fourth one, I titled this one, Leave Julia Child at Home. <laughs> like, just leave her at home. I, if you are someone who, though, absolutely loves to cook big meals and experiment when you're out traveling, that's great. If you are going for a weekend family camping trip, there is no adult that should be stuck inside or at the grill or preparing three major meals every day. Hot dogs are awesome. Sandwiches are awesome. (laughs) Just have those meals, have those quick and easy meals so you can get back to enjoying your camping trip, your vacation time. Kids, my kids, they want to eat all day long. I know there, there are some people that for them, camping is cooking over a fire you know, over a campfire outside too. And I, I love that. That's I love great. it. But there are people that will, you know, they'll do every single meal over the campfire and that's a lot of work and you don't need to have, we, we all love bacon and eggs and pancakes mm-hmm. at a campground in the morning, but you can't do that every morning. No, it's you so can't. so much work and it takes so much time, especially if you're doing it over a fire and you've got to build the fire and all that. And then you're going to cook a lunch over a fire and then you're cooking cook an evening meal over the fire simplify things you can have one really nice gourmet meal if you want to do that or you can have smaller meals that are really well prepared i just say give yourself permission to not have to fall into the pinterest camping cooking world yeah because you're just cooking all the time yeah and i think if you love that great but absolutely and i think if you love that great our kids will not wait for foil packet meals. <laughs> no. They're not going to wait for them. Like, they're just not. Our kids will roast some hot dogs over a fire, though. Quick and easy. Boom. Done. But I just, I felt like when putting this together, I remember, and I still fall, again, into this trap. When I'm meal planning or when we used to meal plan for our longer vacations, that I would get sucked into these, like, amazing camping meals that I wanted to make amazing desserts, amazing breakfasts. And the next thing I knew, like... All I was doing was cooking. And then I felt resentful. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is out having a great time. I'm prepping for the next meal, cleaning up after the next, you know, for the next meal. So just give yourself permission to eat sandwiches and hot dogs and maybe, you know, pepper in a prep heavy meal here and there. And you can make those things really nice too. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Next suggestion. Take a hike. We've talked about this a few times. Whenever we need to hit the reset button here at the campsite, we go for a hike. You are going to be, if you're taking an extended camping trip, in close quarters for long periods of time. Kids are going to get restless. It just happens. Kids are going to fight. And moms and dads might get a little aggravated with each other or with their kids. It's all going to happen. Reset that button as a family and go for a hike. I know it might feel like a lot of work. But we have found the best way to get our kids sort of back into a space where they can be enjoyable (laughs) and cooperative with each other and is to go out and be in nature and remove ourselves from the campsite. And it doesn't need to be a long hike. It can be a short little nature trail. It can be 
walk around the campground yep. if, if need be. We've done all of those things. There's a little half mile nature loop trail here at Oliver Lee that absolutely is just long enough like to go and reset. And there's just something about the hike. I don't know <laughs> the science behind it. And yes, let me say, though, that probably for the first several minutes, 10, even maybe 15 minutes, your kids are going to complain. It's I think it's just built into the DNA. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is boring. I'm tired. My feet hurt. And you just kind of take that and you embrace it. And you know that in a few minutes, something's going to trigger and they're going to settle in and everyone's going to reset. And then you come back to camp. The next one, don't over schedule. We have done this to ourselves. Take it from been there, done that. Don't over schedule your trip. Don't try to fit in every single hike or every single adventure inside the park or in the city that you're visiting. Just leave some time to just hang out at camp, to enjoy being in your hammock, to enjoy watching your kids run around to play, to engage and play with your kids at the campground or read a book or whatever it is. But I think sometimes when we go on vacation and even when we're tent camping, we're going to a particular destination and there's this need that I'm on vacation and I want to do it all. And I understand that that's a really great feeling, but there's nothing worse than coming back from vacation and being tired because you were on vacation. You know, and really just spend quality time at a specific spot. I mean, you'll hear people say, we talked about Carlsbad Caverns last week. You'll hear people say, oh yeah, you can go there and spend an hour. Right. And for us, I, three days isn't enough. It wasn't enough. You know, and uh, it, it, it's really worth it to just stop and smell the roses. When, when, when people say a hike takes two hours for us, it usually takes a lot more, not only because we have little kids, but because we just like to stop and yeah. spend the time and look at everything. We're not, it's, it's, we're not doing it for speed and exercise. We're doing it for enjoyment. And uh, that really makes things worthwhile. There's one place that we schedule to the nth degree and that's disney world <laughs> within an inch of our lives <laughs> we are scheduled at that place and the but... only reason we do that there is because you have to schedule yourselves very well at disney world to get the best out of it it's the only place that you have to do that but we've also learned that we don't like or want to go there for just two or three days yeah we do that so that we can go for long periods of time and build in days where we don't, you know, aren't scheduled and we're staying, you know, at the campground or at the resort, wherever we are. And I feel that this list, as I'm going through it again, because I had written this probably a week or so ago, I'm seeing just how much of early me is this list and how me now almost a decade later of having children and camping with children is seeing just how difficult these things were for me. One thing a day is really, I think, what it yeah. comes down to. If you want to go take a hike, that's your thing for the day. Right. You you can't go take a hike and then go have lunch and then go visit a museum at a totally different site. That and is so hard it, for it's me, a though. Lot of work. It's so hard for me because to you want to see that. everything. You yes. really do, and I, I get it. And we struggle with that a lot because I think you have embraced that more like one thing a day, where as I am still struggling with that. Let's do everything. Let's do everything. Today is laundry day. That's all we're going to do today. We're going to record this podcast. We'll have work. But today is laundry day. No matter how many other things I want to fit in, like let's take the kids to the park. Maybe we could go by that little zoo. No, today is just going to end up being laundry day. Yeah. So final one, 
And this is the biggest one. And I think that this is more for the parents or the grownups than it is for the kids. Have fun. Have fun. And again, use. What do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean by that? I mean, if you don't like cooking at home and it feels even harder for you to cook at the campsite, don't do it. You do. Camping does not have to be about cooking all your meals in the outdoors. You can go to a restaurant. It is absolutely okay to throw everybody in the car. Oh my gosh. And go yeah. to the rest. Especially you have to be able to 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 change plans. You know, if you were planning on cooking outdoors and it's gonna be raining or whatever, or you ran out of a certain ingredient, just go to a restaurant. Yeah. And it's, it's totally okay. okay to throw dirty kids in the car and take them to a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like and I wrote this, I said this is such a simple idea, but it can be truly difficult to accomplish when you're camping with kids. Because it can feel really overwhelming, especially if the kids are having an off day at the campground, even if a hike doesn't reset or, you know, perhaps there was an an accident that creates a load of laundry for you. You didn't anticipate having some anything like that. If you can just try to stop and sort of embrace those as they're happening and remember that you as the adult here, that this is your vacation too. Mm-hmm. bring a book or have just some kind of goal for yourself that you would like to see done for yourself while you are on this trip. If that is taking a solo hike, talk to your partner and build that in. I would really like to go on a hike by myself. What what day can yeah. I do this? One of the things that's tough for me is is to it's hard for me to enjoy something without, you know, making sure everybody else is looking at it and doing the same thing. If yeah. we're on a scenic drive and you know, the kids are wanting to watch a movie or something, you will stop that car I, until everyone is, but I'm trying to embrace the, the, the letting them do that so that I can enjoy what I'm doing mm-hmm. instead of me being upset about it the whole time that the kids yeah. are like, Oh yeah, another mountain. Great. Like, I know. I think Jack said the other day, he's like, Oh look, another mountain. I've seen so many of those. And it was in response to Jason and I being like, guys, guys, look out the window at that mountain. It's incredible. And I think sometimes we do have to stop and say to ourselves, you know what? The kids just aren't into this the way we are. We're going to enjoy this for ourselves. And perhaps our enthusiasm will encourage them to join us. Whereas we keep trying to manufacture enthusiasm for them. And, and again, not everybody has to do everything together. No, no. And uh, people have different wants and needs, and that's, that's yeah. great. Jason loves photography. He loves to go out and photograph the natural world that we're a part of at that moment. That's really his thing. I'm. That's not really my thing. I love the pictures he brings back, but I think it's important that he has the time to do that. I love to read. I can't ever feel like I'm reading enough. And so for me, it's really important that I always have time to read a book or right now, really, it's important for me to find time every day to go out for a run, even if it's just half an hour. I need that time for myself in order to enjoy the experience. So we know those those things about each other, but it's important to pay attention to those things with your kids as well and know what their needs are and wants are and allow them the time and space to do the things that they enjoy as well. Yeah. And maybe that's staying at the campground one day. Maybe they don't want to go out and and you just stay. And it might be letting them play with their iPad or be on electronics. Or 
dig their hands into the dirt and then smear it all over their face and just be okay with that. It's much better to give your kid a half hour of electronics in a day than to try to force them to have a week without electronics and just argue about it all the time. Yeah, that's no fun. That is the total opposite of have fun. So there you have it. It's just seven sort of like our tips after a decade of not doing any of the things that are listed here. (laughs) that we can share with you. And I think on that note, we can take another little break and then we can come back and talk about Guadalupe. We'll be back in just a minute. So as part of our journey in Carlsbad, New Mexico, we took the drive a couple times to visit Guadalupe Mountains National Park, which is which is about 45 minutes from downtown Carlsbad, New Mexico, maybe maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little longer. Not sure. It's about and then it's about 30 minutes from Carlsbad Caverns mm-hmm. National Park itself. Um, so it, it is a bit of a drive. It's not bad. When, and we were staying at the Brantley Lakes State Park, which is which is on the north side of Carlsbad, making it about an hour 15 drive for us. But um, but the drive was beautiful. I mean, you have yeah. the Guadalupe Mountains in your front window as you're driving towards them for a good portion of the trip. So it didn't feel too exhausting to make that drive. It was a beautiful place and well worth it. And we really wish we had been able to spend even more time. I really wish there was camping there with hookups or even partial hookups. So let's get that part out of the way. First of all, Guadalupe Mountains National Park has has a campground. Uh, The RV campground is literally a parking lot Mm -hmm. with white striped parking spaces. But I don't think people were even paying attention to those. It's like park wherever you want. You're right next to the person (laughs) next to you. Yeah. Um, no space to really set up or anything like that. Mm-mm. If you're on the outside edges, there are some picnic picnic tables. But uh, I mean, basically, just think of a national park parking lot, like mm-hmm. how they're kind of set up, and that's the camping spot. <laughs> I I don't even think they had a dump station. Um, I don't. Re- I do not remember seeing one. They do, and they do have, and there's no electric and and sewer, Obviously. water, anything like that. There is a. Uh, a primitive camping area for tent campers, which is very nice. They're very nice little spots. They're all individually secluded down little paths. I feel like the but tent, they're very small. Yeah, I feel like the tent camping area was really well thought out, and that the RV section was yeah. like an afterthought. The only problem with the tent camping area is even like a family of four. I think you'd be really pinched. Yes, you on would. One of those sites because. They, you could really only fit a four-person tent on on them, and they are surrounded by thorn bushes. You don't have like any extra space to walk. No around elbow or room. Like that. But I also think that it was set up and designed for a particular yeah. type of camper as well. But it's you know if you are visiting the Carlsbad area and you want to go in your RV and boondock for a night or two down at Guadalupe Mountains, it's it's a good way to do it because. The place where the campground is is right next to the visitor center and right at a trailhead 
for four major trails. Yeah. And it's only $8 a night. And I think that's regardless if you're in a tent or you're in your RV. And the bathrooms were very nice. They were flush toilet bathrooms. There are no showers. And they also did have kind of off to the side of the bathhouse, a dishwashing station as well. So they were set up that you could have at least access to the bathrooms and be able to do dishes if need be. And there are no private campgrounds right outside the park or anything like that. The closest private campground is that one we talked about last week right outside Carlsbad Caverns, which is you're about as close to each other as you are at this one. I loved too, as we were driving to Guadalupe, I'm not quite sure how far into the drive past Carlsbad Caverns we were, but all of a sudden there was a sign that was like, no gas station for the next 110 miles. Yeah, it really is a part, even though it's in Guadalupe Mountains, is in Texas. It's it's just across the border, and it they're really part of the Carlsbad, New Mexico region. There is nothing in Texas nearby until El Paso, which is yes. over 100 miles away. So something to think about if you're going to make that drive from the Carlsbad area is please have a full tank of gas <laughs> yeah. or at least enough gas to get there and back because there's nothing but what was really cool, like Jason said earlier about the parking lot, is that you have access to four of their biggest trails. And one of those being the El Capitan Summit and the Guadalupe Peak Summit. And this is not the famous El Capitan from Yosemite, but it no. looks kind of similar, actually. It does. It, 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 it's it's a, a well-shared name. It's it's appropriate. It's, it's, a, it's a sheer cliff face that was a sort of signpost for travelers back in the stagecoach era and even before Native Americans. And it, it's it's just a stunning cliff face to look at. And you can climb up it on one of these trails. Yeah, and you can view it from the tent and RV parking lot area. And you've got these incredible views around you while you're boondocking. So it's absolutely worth it if you're set up to do that. And we did one of the tra- of the four trails, we did the trail to Devil's Hall. We did not make it all the way. This is, So the four trails are, just so you know, moderate and strenuous. Devil's Hall was rated as a moderate, I think, with a full there and back being maybe four or five miles. And we got into it and we talked about this in the last segment. What someone says to us is a two or three hour hike. Well, for the Epperson's ends up being four or five hours and we got into this hike in devil's hall and it was moderate and it did require some climbing down and some climbing up and it had some pretty rough terrain i was beyond impressed with the kids especially with henry henry was owning that trail so the devil's hall hike is a hike through a canyon basically along the riverbed Mm -hmm. for most of it and the other three hikes go up on ridges so even though that it's moderate it is sort of the best major trail in that area to go to and and guadalupe mountains really is a hiking park it is if you love to hike this is your park there are other things to do but not a ton really it's about getting out there and and walking one of these trails and uh and i wanted to do beautiful. one of those summits so mm-hmm. bad we're just not at a place in our life as a family where that is realistic but man i wanted to do that so bad so they have a nice visitor center there that's right there at the campground area and it's small uh, but it does have nice restrooms and it is at another little trailhead it has a great junior ranger program that you can complete for the most part inside the uh, 
the visitor center and they have what we found for the first time a senior ranger program i know we were confused at first by the name of it i know i thought it was for senior citizens at first no but they have it billed for 14 and older so really it's meant for high schoolers on up to any sort of adult that would want to do this i mean when when you think about it it's called junior ranger so why wouldn't it be called senior ranger but our minds didn't originally go there. It's really cool. We're going to talk a little bit more about this program on another podcast because they're rolling it out and we want to do a little investigating as to what parks have it and, you know, how serious they are about it. But the booklet, I mean, it looked really cool. I wish we hadn't discovered it, you know, an hour before we were (laughs) leaving so we could do it, but we kept it. And I love the fact that it's, it looks just like a junior ranger booklet except everything inside of it is age appropriate. It's for adults. It asks you questions and you have to complete it. And then you get a patch. You get a patch. And the patch is really nice. I know. And I have to say, too, about this visitor center that I felt like they had one of the cooler gift shops Mm -hmm. that we'd seen. They had some regional coffee in there you could buy. They had a lot of provisions for hikers i mean again this is why we talk about it being a hikers park even the visitor center recognizes that and their little gift shop area has things you might need and i loved all of the stuff they had in there too the magnets you know we obviously we collect a magnet from every park we go to and this is the second park that has had the sea america design from the 1930s that we just love So it was great that we could get a magnet in that design. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we took two days to do our junior ranger program. We probably could have done it in one, but we were trying to be more mindful about shoving everything into one day and not getting it done. So we took two days to do it. And I just really liked this park a lot. I liked the fact that you could have longer hikes. I appreciated that really short hike from the visitor center over to the Pinery Butterfield Stagecoach Station. Yeah, so this was this park was a stop on a stagecoach route, a mail route that predated the Pony Express even. And uh, you can see the ruins of this old stagecoach station, which, you know, they're essentially sort of it's, masonry it's, walls yes. and that's it. But it, it was a really nice walk to get to see some of the different plant life in the area. They had markers too for the plant life so that you know if you wanted to stop and take your time to identify what you were looking at which was great because we could point those out to the kids but I think it was kind of cool even though it was sort of just a ruin of a building to kind of visually think you know when you think about the fact that they they didn't walk a a trail that was cemented like we did to get there they were going over the land and when you kind of look at that and you look at the mountain ranges around you it's really impressive so just north of the pinery stagecoach area is another area you can visit you can take your vehicle up to uh, called the frijole ranch and it is an old cabin type building uh on a ranch where they used to you know drive cattle and have some farming there's a natural spring there where they have we could show the kids how they irrigated the water from the natural spring over to the sort of area where they grew grew vegetables and things like that. And we were able to point out, too, for the first time, really, that, look, there's green grass. Mm -hmm. 
And the reason why is because they have tapped into this natural spring here and water is regularly getting to the soil here. So that was a really kind of cool moment to sort of put into place like where we are and the differences between like what water can do and what when you don't have water, what it looks like. Now, this is a like history museum as well. It was not open when yeah, we were there. Seasonal. Yeah. But you could still walk the grounds. You could still peek in the windows. And it was really fun because the building itself is about 114 years old. And that is, I mean, this kind of stuff is totally in my wheelhouse. I love old <laughs> buildings. And I know some people are laughing because 114 years, but that's kind of impressive to still have a structure that's standing. There's a lot of different outhouses, a outhouse as well as cellars. And I think there was like a, they had enclosed the spring in one section. You could get water from there. And they, this is also a great spot for picnicking. Yes. There's some great picnic tables and just the views around of the different mountains, El Capitan off in the distance. Uh, it's a really excellent spot to have a picnic lunch and go walk around this little um They have a trail area. too that there's a, there's we did not walk. There's also a sort of primitive scenic drive that you can take. You have to have a four-wheel drive vehicle for it. And you go to the ranger station and get a key and you can open the gate and take this sort of off-roading type scenic drive, which yeah. I would love to do someday. You weren't doing it in the Chrysler town and country no. though. Not happening. So from there, we popped over to McKittrick Canyon. And this is the this is really the other major yes. area of the park, second to the visitors area. And this is where our trip gets a little sad because we showed up over there about 345 or so. Yeah. And they closed the gates at 430. So we had had plans to hike back towards the canyon. Yeah. And we had to scrap those because this was our last day that we were doing this. And that was a huge bummer. I feel like that was a missed opportunity on our part for not being more informed about just gate closures and how the park yeah. operates. So I look forward to going back and redeeming ourselves because this is a highlight of Guadalupe. Yeah. It's, it's an area, this Canyon is sort of an area where people in the Southwest can see some scenery, especially that far south in the southwest, can see some scenery that they're not seeing anywhere else. There are deciduous trees. Yeah. You know, in the fall, they can see the leaves change colors. That's so crazy. And there, there are, you know, there and there's a pine forest as well, and there, uh, all all sorts of animal life as you trek into the canyon and see the scenery change. There are a couple other trails around there as well. You can go up a, on a ridge trail. There's a shorter nature hike. But it is it it's about seven miles north of the main visitor center, and it's a totally different area unto itself. It's it's you're not in the desert. You're sort of in highlands, in you know only 150 miles from the Mexico border. Yeah, I feel like we have to go back. Yeah. You know, I just feel that that was we got there and we were so excited for it, and we had plans to even just do the nature trail and. You know, there is a little visitor center there. It's not manned, but there were you nice, know, bathrooms. nice bathrooms and a, you could watch a little video on the area and how it was discovered. And we didn't we didn't get to put an in stamp to that. Yeah. So Guadalupe Mountains is a, a great 
place to visit as part of a Carlsbad, New Mexico visit. And I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Gorgeous mountain scenery and a different types of mountains than you really see in a lot of places. The mountains are sort of crafted from a reef. Yeah, it's millions of years old that has sort of reappeared over time. Yeah. And I feel like, too, you know, for us as well, another reason why I'd really like to go back and I don't think we finished this conversation earlier is that we didn't finish the Devil's Hall trail. We got into it and it was taking longer and we felt that it was coming on about 430 and we still hadn't reached where we needed the end of the trail and we still had to go back and we preset a turnaround time. And we turned around at that at time. At that time, we felt know? like, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were not hiking back with the kids in any sort of dark environment whatsoever. The sun was certainly starting to get back below the mountain and it was time to turn around. And that for me, as a person who has a really hard time not finishing something that I start, that was really hard for me to turn around. Yeah. And I was grumpy and everyone, everyone knew I was grumpy. <laughs> But we had to, you know, you've got little people and you need to be safe. What I found amazing was how many families we passed on that trail coming back because they had gotten on the trail earlier than us. But also the people we passed at five o'clock in the afternoon at the trailhead starting it. Yeah. And I was like, wow. One woman in her Ugg boots. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted, Those are not trail hiking shoes. <laughs> no, I wanted to talk to her afterwards, too, and be like, how are your feet? Because you just were, like, climbing. This is a rocky trail. It was. And we had on hiking shoes, and we had on, you know, closed-toed keens and whatnot, and I still felt the terrain. My feet hurt, yeah. So I'm sure she probably went back to her tent and, and rested. But... We do have a couple of things we need to complete. So maybe we need to talk we about will, going back there. We will there. be back to Guadalupe Mountains at some point. Absolutely. It will be our featured video this week on the Our Wandering Family YouTube channel. So you can check that out. That video will drop on Saturday and you can see a lot of the scenery from the photos that we took of such a beautiful national park. Yeah, you can see us talking at McKittrick Canyon <laughs> because that's as far as we could get was right there at the visitor center. But, you know, I just realized too, while we were talking a little, you were talking our wandering family shop, we have a little RV miles news this week that we forgot to mention. And that is that RV miles now has a Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. Join us on the RV miles Facebook group. You can find that on the RV miles Facebook page. We linked to it uh, but it's the rv miles travel forum and it this is a new facebook group for rvers and we wanted the focus of this group to be mainly about travel there are a lot of groups that you can go to where you can ask you know is my truck going to be big enough to pull this trailer and you can certainly ask those questions in this group as well but we really wanted to focus this group on travel so if you would like to come over and join us on the RV Miles Travel Forum, please just search it on Facebook and and join the group. And we would love to continue the conversations from our podcasts onto the group. So with that, how about this week's brain teaser? All right. All right. When I turn around once, what is out will not get in. When I turn around again, what is in will not get out. What am I? Do you know, Jason? I have absolutely no idea. 
No, you don't. I think this is a really good one. I'm excited to see what people say this week. So if you have the answer to that brain teaser, email us at editor at rvmiles.com or shoot us a Facebook message and we'd love hearing from you. Yeah. And if you're liking the podcast, like we say every week, we would super appreciate a five-star review on iTunes. And we would love it if you would just share us around on your social media channels or in a face-to-face conversation with a friend. All right, everybody. We will see you on next week's episode. We're going to go ice Jason's mouth now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us this week, you guys. We look forward to talking to you next week. But until then, keep logging those RV miles. Bye. Bye.